Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. morning. Uh, this is a beauty. This is my first interview. Um, actually, we're filming this one too, which is cool. Um, we're going to talk about sort of some of the after aftershock, after effects of the budget, but the most important part of the aftershock or the after effect of the budget is we've got a lucky interview with the Minister for Small Business, Bruce Bilson. He's coming into the studio. We're going to do a, an interview. It's going to be up on the podcast today. Um, we want to ask the Minister, you know, he gives a rundown about the budget. You know, by now, we all know what the budget's pro- providing, but I think Let's sort of dig around it and actually know and ask the Minister, Minister, what can you do for small business owners in Australia? That's a really important thing. Um, we're going to have a bit of a deep dive, as they say in America. This week's top five. Let's look at the top five. Uh, economically, what's, uh, you know, we cover this off every week. Um, the RBA minutes came out uh, yesterday in relation to the... Uh, interest rate regime. There was a number of interesting things there that were said. Probably most importantly is that the RBA is saying that they are open to further rate cuts, which is quite incredible. Um, that will be, we're already at historic lows. Could, we could even go lower. Um, don't forget what I said last time. It doesn't necessarily mean because interest rates are low that it's a good time to buy. It could also mean that prices are restructured the wrong way upwards. Um, and it also usually is an indication of the fact that things are a bit tough out there. Um, so, but equally, they, they did make some uh, comments about the property market. In terms of the property market, they said that uh, Sydney and Melbourne are doing well in terms of price increases. But they did make a strong comment about the other places in Australia, which account for about 60% of all property transactions, you know, obviously Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide, et cetera, and uh, those um, environments are experiencing price declines. So just be careful that you don't get swept up in all this property uh, euphoria that's going on at the moment. They also said that lending has levelled out um, and that um, whilst interest rates are extraordinarily low, lending's levelled out. So that's um, a little bit sort of um, dysfunctional. You know, we've got low, low, low interest rates, but lending's levelled out. So that says something to you. Um, it, it, and, and what it sort of tells me is that the interest rate environment is actually not stimulating more activity, which means the interest rate environment could have to, may have to go less to create stimulation. Um, I don't have too much more to say about uh, that other than, of course, uh, the RBA is going to sit on its hands for a little bit. I don't expect to see a rate reduction next month. The main reason is because I think they want to see what the flow-through effect of the budget is. Um, and, you know, the budget's only been out for a week. We haven't even really probably digested it. It certainly hasn't got any momentum or it's not in the investment cycle just yet. But it will be in the investment cycle. And once it's in the investment cycle, then the RBA will probably be in a better position to act on the data that they see. So let's wait a month or so about that. Just as a, a finishing off on this, uh, the top five, you know, there is nothing else that came out in terms of data other than the Reserve Bank's minutes that came out in data that sort of indicates to us that there's going to be any change economically. So there hasn't been any unemployment change information. There's nothing about inflation that's come out. There's no, nothing about GDP's come out, nothing about global, uh, global um, uh, capital markets that's come out. There's nothing that's there this week in the last five days, six days, that is going to uh, change the way we view with the economy at the moment. Now, that doesn't mean the economy hasn't changed, but there's just no indicators out there. So we can relax, I guess, for another week. Ask Mark. Tweet Mark with your questions at Mark Boris. M-A-R-K-B-O-U-R-I-S.
Mark, we've had loads of questions on your Twitter feed and uh, and also via email as well from people wanting to tap into your mind. This is from Alex. He's 20 years old. He says, how do I get people to take me more seriously in business dealings? That's an interesting one, Jess. I looked at his uh, profile um, on his Twitter handle and uh, my response to him, actually I responded straight back to him, my response to him was change your profile photo because he had the silliest photo I've ever seen. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I guess you're not going to take someone seriously if they're sitting there with their mouth agape and, uh, you know, looking like they're having a bit of fun. He's obviously a young bloke, he's just fooling around. But if you want people to take you seriously, someone like me, for example, and you want, you want to pitch something to me, the first thing I'm going to go and look at is what you do on social media. So I'll, I'll Google you and I'll go to your social media um, address, whatever that is. So um, I would say, you know, have something for, on LinkedIn. Make sure it's a good profile on LinkedIn. Make sure that your Twitter handle and your f- photo or your profile is serious enough for me to take seriously. So the great thing about Alex is he's actually changed within four or five hours and he put a, a quite a intelligent, yet not at the same time too serious look about him so that the photograph was him sitting there over a computer. So... And he looked like a decent young man. So I'm not trying to be judgmental, but, you know, like when you're looking at Twitter, social media, you have to be judgmental. You're making a quick judgment. First impressions count, absolutely. First impressions count, absolutely. So, uh, and you know, he took the advice and good on him. How, how important is that, Mark, about you saying you look at social people's social media profile? If you're employing someone, you said that you, you always uh, still have a handle on everyone that you employ in Yellow Brick Road. You, you still have a, you know, you want to meet them. How important is that? that footprint of theirs on social media? Um, I think it's incredibly important. Like, I want to know what they are other than what they present to me when they first walk in the door in my office. So they're all poised and um, purposeful and, you know, they have the uniform on and it's all sorted. Um, what I'm actually trying to find out was what's likely to happen when something goes wrong or alternatively what their alternate um, personality is. And I guess a lot of times we display these things on our... Twitter feed or, and or like me and podcasts, like, you know, I'm standing here with a tracksuit on and having a shave for four days. Um, my alternate as to, as opposed to what you see, for example, in the Celebrity Apprentice is my alternate. Now it's, it's not disrespectful or anything, but it's a, it's a bit more rough and tumble and that's my other side. So I, that's what I'm looking for in relation to other people. So a lot of times you can't find it because it's all, it's all poised and pitched perfectly, so everything's in line. Yes. You know, LinkedIn looks perfect, and Twitter looks perfect, and Facebook looks perfect, etc. Um, and then they present exactly the same. Um, that just makes it more mysterious to me. I'm actually looking for something else. Mark, we had another question here. This is from Verity. She says, "How do we get customers in the door paying for services?" Well, I said to Verity, "I don't know what your business is, um, but she's asking me a generic question, so I can only give you a generic answer." The generic answer, though, applies to every business. The first thing, com- the first thing you look at is the, the, you know the, what they call the three Ps. Your price has got to be right. You can't have a price that doesn't work. It's got to be a competitive price or a cheaper price. That's the first thing. Second thing is you've got to have a product everybody wants. You've got to be aggregate demand that's looking for the product and or service that everybody wants. And finally is promotion. You've got to tell everybody. <laughs> Somehow people got to know that you in your corner store or wherever you are, wherever your door is that you want them to come into, people know your address, your phone number and where you are physically situated and or if it's internet-based, you know, how they get to you on the internet what your product is and what your price is. Three Ps, remember the three Ps, and um, that should get you in the door, get people in the door. Customers, and by the way, she already said paying customers. I don't know what she means by paying customers, but don't do too many favours if that's her problem. If she's doing stuff for nothing, well, there's no point in that. That's not business. That's charity. There's no value, is there? No You've value. you value what you're doing. And, and, and people will not value what you do for them if you don't charge them. Yeah. And, and, if, and if they won't pay f- if, if, if all of a sudden you start doing it and they won't pay for it, it usually means that the price part of the three Ps is, is not value. They're just thinking, well, this is not worth paying for. I just want it for free. So then have a look at yourself. Is that always the hardest thing? Is that working out what the price is, what my price point should be in the business? Price, price point's about, well, depends what you're selling, I guess, but price point is um, uh, relative. It's a relative game. So um, price, you, you know, you price for based on the rest of the market. So generally speaking, the market determines your price. You can't determine your price unless you're a monopolist or you've got something unique that no one else in the market's got. But if you're selling something in a competitive environment that the, the market determines the price, you can just – all you've got to do is determine can you sell at that price and what other things do you offer around it to make your product and your value proposition better? Alternatively, how can you sell cheaper? Like, like my, my business is Yellow Big Road. We sell our mortgages cheaper than the bank. Um, you can't sell – 
there's no designer dollars. You know, like it's not like um, you know you, people pay more for an Armani suit than they will for a whatever suit. Um, uh, you can't, you know, people are going to pay more money for a Commonwealth Bank loan than they pay mine for my loan. So my game's about pricing, and I've got to work out somehow to get the price to the market cheaper than my competitors. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning we are very, very lucky to have Bruce Bilson here, the Minister for Small Business. And by the way, small business ministry is not a small business ministry. It's a big ministry, very important. And I'm going to talk to Bruce in a moment about the budget. Um, um, he's, we, he's kindly agreed, and he comes from Melbourne, to come here and have a chat to us. And we're going to have a, a good talk. This is going to be one of those three-minute talks like here on normal radio. We've got an opportunity to dig around and talk to Bruce about his background, what motivated him to push hard on these business initiatives. And I've written in my Twitter, I'm sure there's been a lot of stuff that the Treasury said, no, you can't have that, Minister. I want to know what he's going to do for us and how hard he's fighting for us. And uh, let's check it out. Bruce, welcome. Great to see you. And Mark, don't, I don't, Care what anyone says, I think the stubble looks great, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, I, I, very I, sharp. I'm going to keep the stubble. On that basis, today when I do my talk, there's a thousand people going to listen to me. I'm going to wear my stubble. I'm going to put my suit on and I'm going to wear the stubble, dude. Okay, uh, Bruce, do you mind explaining to us what were the initiatives for small business in the budget last week? Well, Mark, there's a bundle of them that totaled $5.5 billion. The big headline ones that most people have been focusing in on are the, t- the cuts on income that small business earns. Company tax cut down to 28.5%, lowest small business company tax rate since 1967. Sadie the cleaning lady, Sergeant Pepper's era, that's where we've got it on small business companies. But as you and I know, two-thirds of small businesses aren't structured as companies independent contractors, sole traders, partnerships operating through trusts, but we've also delivered them a tax cut, a 5% discount on whatever their tax liability is. So all the normal way, they'd work out what their tax liability is, take 5% off, that's the incentive, that's the encouragement. The next bundle is around instant asset write-offs. So for small businesses with a turnover of under $2 million, they need to buy a piece of kit, some assets, a plant piece of plant or equipment, under $20,000, they can instantly deduct that in the year that they purchase it. So if you've had a big profitable year and you're worried about paying too much in, in tax on your profits, buy a piece of kit up to $20,000 and you can do that as often as you want to build up your capacity of your business, maybe find some new opportunities and grow. The last group were around making it easier to start a business. You know, it can be a nightmare registering the costs involved. That can be instantly deducted as a business expense. There's also measures in there to boost employee share schemes, a framework for crowdsource equity funding, and, and even a relief from a capital gains tax risk if you need to restructure your business so you're good to go and structure to meet the future challenges. So that's the broad spread of the market. Okay, let's, let's have a look at that, Bruce. So... And look, I get it because I've spoken to you plenty of times and not on air, but like, you know, on telephone and stuff like that. And, and I know you get it and, you, you're, and the government now gets it. I mean, the broader government understands how important small business is to this country. And you know, unfortunately, I mean, I, and I say it's unfortunately, maybe fortunately too, all of a sudden everyone's jumped on the bandwagon talking about how big Isn't small it great? business Everyone's are. talking about small business, but, which has been my ambition for, for, for years. Cause I, and and, that's, and that, that's important. Uh, like, let's go to the beginning, the third point, because mm. to me that's the beginning. Mm. I'm a guy, I just want to, well, Jakey here, you know, he's, he's our recording guy. He wants to start up a small business. Gifted, isn't he? He's, he's very gifted. gifted. Yeah, you yeah. can tell by looking at him. Go get a check. He, he's, and he's, he wants to start up a small business. Um, the thing that he lacks, the two things he lacks, I don't want to know how the government can help here. The two things he lacks, the first thing he lacks is the confidence yep. because he doesn't think he knows enough. I mean, where can he get mentorship? That's the first question I'll put yep. to you. And the second question I'll put to you is he needs capital. And you mentioned yep. crowdsourcing. Yep. We'll come back to it. He needs money to kick off, yep. one, because he might not earn any money for the first six months. So he needs some working capital or someone to back him. Yep. And he needs just the confidence to make that leap. How is the government helping him that? How are you going to help okay. there? First one, we've got some advisory services. They're, they're for business intenders. Because you and I know not everyone's cut out to be their own boss and to run their own business. But if someone's got an idea or an ambition and they can go and get some advice through the Australian Small Business Advisory Service, uh, they can get some free advice. Uh, What's their business plan look like? Have they got the talent and the tools 
to make a go of this? Are they in a financial position? You touched on finance. You know, finance is the oxygen of enterprise. You don't have it, it starves off, you can't get the job done. Crowdsource equity funding is one avenue that we think needs to be on the table. We need to put a framework in place so that people can pursue those small pledges from people who want to invest and take a, a small position in a business, help get it off the ground. It might be sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Not enough to go and trouble the big market. And really, because you haven't got a business performance record, the banks won't go near you either. So we're trying to open that door. Employees, How do you do it though? I mean, well, what we do, we're putting in a framework that says you and I with can have a, a business idea. We might want to raise a hundred thousand dollars. You don't have to go through all the rigmarole of a float, mm-hmm. all the prospectus, all of the disclosure. It's all too hard. Now, with technology being the way it is, we're looking to make sure you can go to an online, a digital intermediary, have the basics there. What's the business plan? Who are the people behind it? Who else has got skin in the game? Put that offer out there. Maybe, you know, don't put your house on it. You know, maybe say up to 10 grand or something like that can be what an equity stake can be and, and tell people you're in a startup business. It, it, it may not succeed. So you're going to put, the government put it out a portal? Is it like we're, a portal? We're, we're going to put the, the, the framework in place so the private sector can come forward and intermediaries who can do that dating service of having Jake put the bones of his business out there so people can have a look at it and what he's trying to achieve and then have that due diligence, you know, not too heavy, not too over the top because we're not talking about really large sums of money, but enough to give people, you and I, we might want to put five grand into Jake's business. And oh, we I don't would. want to go... Well, you know, and have a look at him. He's on fire. He's already he's already penciled you in for that. That that framework's not there now. So people are doing workarounds, like Jake might offer us twenty free recording sessions in return for five grand. So it's like a special offer. We don't get a stake in the business. He's trying to dangle out a carrot and get our money that way. That that needs to. So be when's this going to happen? So who's well, going to do this? We're, we've got consultations underway now. It's pretty easy if he's a publicly listed company. All yeah, that yeah. rigmarole's already yeah. there for proprietary companies. Little little more complicated, and that's why we're trying to work the balance out of how much info Jake needs to tell the market. Who's going to make sure he's he's not a rogue, which surely he's not. And then how do you present that to? So small what's Asi going to say? Well, we're working with ASIC on that. Because you're going to have to push ASIC around. Yeah, well, they're part of, they've got some of those class orders now about, you know, the 50 cap on how yep. many non-employees can – that might need to be massaged. We're trying to make this work so that it's a new avenue of access to capital for a startup or a small business in a growth phase that's not there for them Because the, re- the regulation – the money's out there, but yeah. the regulatory environment sort of prevents it. It is. So you're going to look top. at that. Yeah, and it's over the top, Mark. Like, to navigate that regulatory environment, and if you're only looking for 60, 70, 80 grand to get your technology for your recording studio, the regulatory environment and the costs of navigating it are way too high for the amount of money you're after. So trying to get it right-sized so that that ambition of an entrepreneur like Jake can be matched up with someone who wants to see him get off the ground. That's what we're working on. Can you do some with the banks? Well, we're working with the banks because they're in a strong position, too strong in my view, because of the GFC's seen the banking sector consolidate around the big guys. So now they can pick and Mate, choose. Mate, that's because Swan allowed that to happen. Well, I'm, you know, like I, I was on the advisory council. Yeah. I was on the financial service advisory council for that period. And I, I thought what Swan did was right. But he, what he didn't do was he didn't fix it up once the GFC subsided. Yeah, yeah. So they've concentrated all the power in the banks, which means people like Jake will not pay out a yeah. borrow money unless he wants to pay 20%. Well, or he's got to mortgage his house and his firstborn. I mean, that happened with me and my wife. When we put, went to the bank to get money for our business, even though it was the same borrowers, same bank, same house they wanted on the line, we had to pay a whole lot more because it was of a the small purpose. business loan. And therefore, that, that prudential framework really conspires against small business. And, and the conversation we've been having, not just here but internationally, is the banking system isn't an ornament to itself. It's supposed to be a way to facilitate ambition. Mm. And, and, and if it's rock solid but no one can use it, that makes it a statue. It needs to be strong, solid, firm and robust but it also needs to be fit for purpose. And that that way, making sure that equity... Can you get some flex in the banking system, Bruce? Well, we're working with, with APRA, the Prudential Regulator. We've even over-implemented these rules that were largely born out of a North Atlantic problem. Now the World Banking System's got North Atlantic solutions dropped on top of it. Um, things like uh, how you treat a small business loan, if the house is on the line, why can't it be treated as a housing loan? It and used to be. It used to be. And these are the areas that we keep pushing on. In fact, I made a submission to our government, our own government's inquiry because I wanted to make sure that the financial systems inquiry didn't look past or beyond the small business issues because I could say, well, how is it that the spread above the, re- the reserve bank rate 
for what is a residentially secured small business loan. That spread's more than doubled in the last eight or so years. It was 202 basis points. It's now 460. I'm well aware of it. And, and, and that's for less risky, uh, where the risk of default is down because they're very conservative. The cost of any default, if it happened, is down because you've got your house on the line and most small businesses will miss a meal rather than miss a payment. So this is not working for us, and that's why we've been pressuring. Well, what can you do? I well, mean, well, I mean, I mean you got APRA. APRA's going to say, Bruce. Bruce APRA's going to say, listen, Bruce. Listen, uh, Treasurer. Listen, yeah. Prime Minister. Back off. Yep. We're here to f- look after the financial stability of yep. the financial system, and you're going to say, no. We're here to look after the stability of the Australian economy. We yep. want growth, that's and right. we need the small business sector to do it. Start lending some bloody money. Yeah. Well, a couple of things we can do, and what we have done. One, have the FS, the financial systems inquiry. It made the point the banking system's too consolidated. We've lost the second tier. Uh, the non-bank guys, particularly in the in the cooperative space, have a very punishing prudential framework that actually advantages the big banks over what the second tier and non-bank guys have to live with. So there's recommendations in there and saying, well, hang on, that's making a, a, an advantage situation for the big banks even more advantageous and really making it difficult for the other players. Secondly, bring more players in. Invite people to be a part of our system. You know, we've got an economy that's attractive. You know, we've actually got positive interest rates. You go to Switzerland, uh, they take, you mm. know, 0.05% of your money off you just to look after it. Yeah, the Here, you actually get a return. You know, that's got to be attractive. The last thing, though, is these disruptors. In the financial tech space, you've got new players coming in offering new products. And they're saying, look, Mark, let's have a look at your, your, your bank account. Run an algorithm over the ins and outs. We'll do a quick look mate, at how how risky or otherwise you are, and we'll make facilities. But our available. esteemed treasurers made uh, Google shit themselves by saying we're going to introduce the Google tax. Why would Google want to do that? I well, because we're an attractive place to do business, and, and but we need to make sure we are attractive in a sense that this is a competitive environment as a place to do business. I mean, these aren't reserved for us. These opportunities aren't guaranteed for our country. We've got to win them. And that's why our work and my work every day is like what you need to do in your business. You need to be world-class, otherwise you're kaput. But, but, but how do we compete with Singapore? But, but we, like, Singapore set will say to Google, you come into our territory, you settle down here in Singapore, we'll charge you 10% tax. Well, and the worst, How do we get around that? Well, we can't change that overnight, but we know that that's the, comp- the competition. Yeah. And we've got to make those gains. And that's what the budget was about. $5.5 billion is a down payment, an instalment. We need to do more and we know I that. I love that. We that's what we need to do. We need to do more and we know that, but we can only do what we can afford. So this is first step. Absolutely. I got, you know, my list of things that we can do is pretty long. I know you would have got pushed you know, on and, by and Treasury. Treasury would have said, no, you can't have this because we can't afford it. Well, no, no they, their point, which, because I'm part of Treasury, that's one of the things we did. We moved small business out of being tacked on the, to the side of the industry portfolio and put Treasury and small business together because Treasury is where the engine room of economic policy analysis is done and that's where all the advice to government comes from. I wanted them waking up every day thinking about small business. I wanted them to know, like you and I know, that you know, running your own small business with your wife's the greatest contraceptive ever invented. You know, that pillow talk of cash flow every week. moment. Oh, no, you said moment, that in the small business wards. You said the well, business tells awards last year. It's but real did, and it's you vivid. four kids. Yeah, I know. Did, yeah. you never, did you never have that contraceptive going must on? I had a couple of good months. <laughs> so it must have been the summer ones. But, but, but that's the thing. It, it's so personal. And the Treasury people, it, it, they are very gifted. So at, you're going to be the thorn in the side of the Treasury? That's my job. I'm, I'm, okay, an, cool. I'm an that's agent what, of change. But that's what I, we want I'm to hear. there to be catalytic. We need then, to know that we got someone in there punching for us in our corner. Absolutely. And it's not just in my own portfolio. Look, the Prime Minister's given me a... I might get BB tattooed on yeah. my arm. <laughs> Look, I've got a hunting licence from the Prime Minister to not only drive what I can through my own portfolio, portfolio in Treasury, but to go where I need to go in other portfolios, where there are headwinds and problems, where there are obstacles that need not be there, where we can do a better job. I'll give you one example. Uh, EFIC. I'm I'm sure some of your listeners, probably not many, have heard of EFIC. It's the Export Finance and Insurance Corporation. They're there as a funding arm to help businesses secure export income. So if you you and I get an order to send, you know, four gazillion hours of professional services into into Korea and we need to scale up, we don't have the dough, we can go and talk to EFIC. Now, they're supposed to help the SME market. Uh, they had one transaction of over $100 million with Rio Tinto. Now, oh Rio's God. balance sheet's better than the Commonwealth's and that led some people to think, why do we need these people? Well, what I was able to do was work with Andrew Robb 
in his portfolio in DFAT, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, and make sure that bit of the government effort was actually aligned to the needs of small business, which was its purpose. So that's my role. Are they geared up to do lots and lots they of small now. deals? They are They're good to go. They've put on more than a dozen and a half new small business advisors. These trade agreements are spectacular. Can I ask you about that, Bruce? Yeah, Can I go I for it. Small go business it. advisor, okay? Yep. Where do these dudes come from? I mean, what's their background? I mean, how do they well, we're trying to pull them out of small businesses themselves okay. so they know what the challenge is. How do you credentialise them? Well, I don't recruit them directly, but what we're trying to do in these areas where there's an interface between government and small business, have people who understand, have have had skin in the game, can can understand the rhythms and the motivations and the, and the nature of small business. Now, we're doing that even in fair work. What a nightmare they've been to deal with. Mm. But there's now a, a small business dedicated hotline. So you can actually ring people, and and if you want some advice, you can talk to someone who's got a clue about what it is you're involved in. Okay, so you're a small business. Yeah. Tell me a story. Oh, well, I married well, admittedly a second time. Uh, So my key selection criteria, well, that just shows you my positivity. That was a triumph of hope over experience, wasn't it? Um, So my key selection criteria had improved. Uh, I'm one of those master, you know, MBA types, master of business leadership from RMIT, got all the qualifications, all that. My sweetheart, my wife, was one of the uh, Australian Retailer Association Young Retailer of the Year candidates. So not only bodacious, but very talented as well. And we thought we'd open our own business, Beauty in the Beach. You can work out who the so beauty it was. Called, was. It was called Beauty in the Beach? It was. It's gone now. We had to shut it. Um, was it in Mornington in Victoria? Tell me about it. What is it? What was yeah, it? It was a, a fine Australian... How old were you? Oh, oh not, not... A couple of years ago? Been, no, it would have been... Uh, about 2002, three, okay. around that era. Yeah. Um, a young man at that time. I was, and still young at heart now, and uh, not, not as handsome as some, but I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to work out. Um, it was, a, it was an art gallery. It, it was an art gallery in a fine Australian craft shop, so we were highly discretionary into the market. Why? Yeah. Okay, okay, what was the demand in the area? Well, Why did you sign we were up? A furni- we, we picked an area where there was uh, a, a lot of um, house pride character and some, some well-to-do neighbourhoods. Aggregate where- demand? Looked good. Uh, not a lot of competition south of downtown Melbourne. Okay, so um, unique. Yep. So we were in a good spot, had great relationships with some of the best artists in our country, Colin Heaney, best glass yeah, blower. Yeah. Unbelievable. All these guys. Great in downtown, but we were some distance from downtown and on the Mornington Peninsula where, where our business was, you know, quite an appetite and a demand for it, but still very discretionary. Rents are the same as downtown Melbourne. That was a challenge. You know, you start getting your rent over about 11 12% in your business, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, ours was starting to edge up there. Still remember to the day how much it was, $4,667 a, a month, I should say, and, and, you know, for an cu- area a couple of times the size of the studio. Um, went well, but highly discretionary. Both of you working in it? Uh, no, Kate full-time, me doing the business planning, the bass, uh, helping on the weekends. And what else did you do? Oh, I was in, working as a member of parliament. So, as well. member of parliament as well. Yeah, yeah, so, and I was the handyman. So, I did the fit out and all that as well. Son of a carpenter, had lots of fun doing that. Well, we know there's one other famous son of a yeah, carpenter. Yeah, yeah, well, it didn't end well. I was, you know, 32. We know what it was happened. It was a good year. It came back. Good comeback, but yeah. that's a discussion for another day. Um, so, it went quite well. Um, but for us, highly discretionary. And our weekend traffic was was gold for us and Christmas and Mother's Day and those gifting um, periods were really important for us. So if we had, say, bad weather two weekends in a month, we knew we had red ink. Okay, dark moments? Did yeah, you, red I mean, ink. Did you, what happened? Like, did you, did, well, you, did, you, did you lay in bed at night and, and saying to your missus at the time, shit, well, what are we going to do here? Like, yeah, uh, no, we how are we going to pay this 4000 What was it, 4600 Yeah, we did a lot of that. We did a lot of that. We looked at, at, at technology too, uh, increasing our online presence. Uh, probably a little early in the market in that respect. It became more of a showcase of what we had rather than a channel for, for, for transactions, if I could put it that way. Uh, it also gave some of our competitors an idea about what our new fresh uh, water pearl necklace and, and jewellery line looked like and, and, you know, four months later we'd have a, a Chinese knockoff up the road. So so you experienced the same absolutely. stuff as small business. Yeah, absolutely. But darkest moment, tell me, tell me something. You know, did you uh, have a moment where you said, geez, I'm, I, I, just, I just can't do this anymore. Darkest I mean, moment are when, and, and all your listeners would know, with commercial leases you carry the tail. Mm. And when we were looking to sell our business and transfer a commercial lease, which we did, whether we could do that. Whether the landlord would accept assignment. And and then the extent to which the landlord would would offer a discounted rate for the new tenant just to make sure they're getting some income. The buyer of your business. And then come back to us to make up the margin. So we had to weigh up, is 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 it a more economically responsible thing to do to shut the business and deal with the tail of the lease or should we keep trading 
and see whether somehow of our new ideas would take hold or not. So it was really a question about how much more was money. It stressful? Yeah, it was a bit. Yeah, it was a bit. And, and uh, A bit? Well, you... Because I'm, I'm, well, it, it was only a bit because you were able to use a, you had another source of income. Well, that helped. Yeah, we yeah. had a buffer. Yeah, you and had a buffer. That was part of our strategy was yeah, that right. not to do it where, where we had everything relying on its individual success. And that's the message I often give to a lot of small businesses that ask me. You know, if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, make sure it's a bloody good basket. You know, and and, and which a, they do, a do proven right. model. Yeah, that's most right. times, most small business owners well, do that. And that's an analogy I often draw with big business. You know, you. you you think of breakfast. Diversification yeah. of income. And, and with breakfast, you look at the egg and you think the chicken was involved. You look at the bacon and you think, by golly, the pig was committed, wasn't it? Mm. You know, it's carved up. It's, it's full games on the plate. And, and this is what small businesses have to contend with. That For many, they are the pig that produces mm. the bacon. Correct. And, and everything is on the table there. Now, even today, you know, a decade later, every month I pay our mortgage, uh, I know half of it's for our house and half of it's for our enterprise. So, you know, it's a constant So they're still going? No, oh, the business has transformed a bit on that location. But the debt arising from it, oh, that's still going. That's still going. So we're still paying for it. Bruce, that's amazing. So you're telling me, or we're telling everybody, that you and your missus still carry the debt of that business that you set up, part of of your mortgage. Yeah, we're still feeding it. Yeah, okay. That's amazing because that happens happens to a lot of people. Well, and this is the thing. I mean, it's, it's one of the strong messages I like to communicate to men and women in small business particularly when I'm doing, you know, a couple of small business forums a day around the country, talking firsthand, getting the field evidence of men and women in small business. I always start by conveying my respect and admiration for them, for the courage they've shown and their success because they're still alive. Our business isn't. We, we had to close ours and it was a tough call, you know, a sad call. And, and for the people relying on us, not just a disappointment staff, but we staff. knew, yeah, we had a, a small crew, but all of our suppliers, we were their channel to the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you had all these fantastic artisans that were doing world-class work, but we were the way in which that was brought to delight customers. Well, we were a, that okay, that's part, a good so, point because yeah. Heaney, yeah. who was a, who's a great glass uh, Glass glass, yeah, yeah. I've I've known him from Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I didn't realize he was down in the morning. To oh no, well, he's not. He's not living there, but he was one of our key suppliers. Okay, so he, he was a he, yeah. So so someone like him who's running yeah. a small business, probably medium, probably small business. Yep. Um, and he has people supply glass to him, and they and, and color and uh, yeah, yeah. oxides and all that other sort of stuff. And he's got premises and he's yep. got etc. And he's got a family to support. He's probably got a mortgage too. He was using you as distribution. Yeah. Um, you then had to close your business and or sell your business. Yeah. He no longer can use you as dis- distribution. I think this is a good example of people to understand yeah, listening. The domino effect. This is the, the correct, the multiplier domino effect yeah. of where small business is the, you know, the heartland, the engine room, as everyone wants to keep going, of Australia, of this country. I mean, if one is affected, everybody's affected. Yeah. There's a massive consequence yeah. and you, you obviously get that now. Absolutely. And and even even with the, the small business budget measures, I mean, some people have said the – well, not some, everyone said the instant asset write-off is fantastic. You know, a real catalyst for, for activity where if someone had an idea or an ambition, this will be, you know, a real positive uh, contribution to turning that into action. And that's really what the budget was seeking to do. And some people said, well, what about the big end of town? Well, you know, A, they're big enough to argue their own case. Uh, I'm there as the advocate for the businesses that don't have lobbyists in Canberra. And secondly, if if you're going to buy a new coffee machine for your cafe, uh, where do you think that's going to come from? You know, so that activity that it generates will actually be of benefit to right across the economy, even if the tax break is targeted at the 96% of small businesses that have a turnover under $2 million. Okay, so, like, look, I'll, I'll say because, you know, you're a, you're a polished politician, Bruce, and you are, you are a very good speaker. You speak very well. You're very experienced in speaking. Your phrasing and your language is very sophisticated and well-developed. Uh, I can see the way you're thinking. You know, you think very, very quickly. So, then you know the story because you've been telling your this is your story. I mean, I, I get it. The, I want to ask you this: How do you convince me and everybody else that I'm not just standing here interviewing an extraordinarily well-polished politician? No, no, there's no, there's no disrespect, man. How do you convince me that you're the real deal? I mean, how do I know? Like, if I'm in the ring with you and I'm sparring yeah. with you, I'll know whether you're the real deal or not yeah. real quick. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you look when you're warming up and hitting the bag and hitting the pads yeah. and all that. Oh, no. How do I do? Right now I'm just watching you. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm in awe of you. You know, you're, you're terrific. You're saying all the right things. But how do we know? 
that Bruce Bilson. Tell me, tell me, just just get behind it all. How yeah. what, does your heart bleed for us? What's going on? Absolutely. I mean, I am seriously. A, look, my my invitation Open up, is Bill. look Bruce. at look at look at what I do. Don't just look at what I say. Yeah. Look at what I do. What I've done whilst the government is repairing the budget from the mess we inherited, I've been able to win the argument to get five and a half billion dollars. Explain that. Well, this is the contest, Mark, where where because we've got a budget problem where we're borrowing a hundred million dollars yep. a day every day yep. and spending a billion dollars of your listeners on debt servicing, seventy percent going offshore, we've got to fix the budget. Yep. Otherwise we hand our kids all that lead in the saddlebag and deny them the opportunities that we seek to have for ourselves. That's the broader picture. Within that We've got to then reprioritise our effort. What I've been able to say is this is so significant. This is where we can make savings in one area of the budget and dedicate it to the small business economy. That is a contest through expenditure review committee. That is a contest involving all of my other colleagues who are also there seeking to get that resource injection. See, there's a big argument. Everyone's arm yeah. wrestling for the same so dollars. So you're, you're around the table and everyone's got a million ideas. And one thing I've found in public life, everyone knows how to spend money. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. And then we've got to say, well, hang on, here's a, here's a scarce resource called taxpayers' dollars. We've got to find enough savings somewhere else to dedicate to a, a priority that I think is absolutely compelling. You know, my conviction is the over-the-horizon economy for our country will be all about these Is it just economics, though, Bruce, or is it, or no, is it's it more? it's also personal as well. Okay, because tell me about I that. see these people every day. I see small business people every day and they tell me their story. They tell me the choices they make, the sacrifices, mortgaging their house, how they've had to start over and over again, where their sole ambition is to be their best selves, to grow a business that provides them opportunities, but also their community and others. And I admire that. That's patriotic stuff. That's what creates that's opportunity in wealth. And that's right. And that's what we've been built. And, and what I came from, you know, my background was in a, you know, I got educated in a housing commission estate. Great people there. All they ever wanted to be was their best selves. And for some, they achieved that by being their own boss, by marching to their own beat, shaping their own opportunities and giving it a red hot go. You know, and this is what I admire. Under the Rudd-Gillard-Rudd years, we lost 519,000 jobs in small business. Half a million plus livelihoods gone. Now, that affects everybody. Hmm. That, that's right across the continent. Not every place is blessed with a tower of banking workers to provide employment opportunities or a dirty big mining pit. It's these family businesses and small businesses that create the economic opportunities right across the continent. And we saw 519,000 livelihoods lost. And in fact, after those six years... Fewer small businesses were actually employing people than was the case when the Howard government left office. Something happened. Something happened. My view, it was made too hard. The government under Labor was too disinterested. They, they were almost adversaries. I mean, a carbon tax for a small business was, was a killer because they couldn't pass it on. Consumers didn't want it. Or, they couldn't absorb are it. these so just lessons is, that you guys have learned not to do? I mean, well, no, that's part of it. You can you can do no harm, and that's always a good thing to do. But then you can say, no, no, I just oh, we need to end this adversary uh, sort of status that the, the federal government had under Labor, and we need to be allies and advocates. We need to be partners. I can't make all businesses succeed. That's not no, no, no. Gift. You can't do it. But getting those conditions right and as supportive as they can be, or what I call the entrepreneurial ecosystem, having it as supportive and as nourishing as it can be, so enterprising people can have a go. That's what I can do. And that's what I do do. And that sometimes upsets a lot of people. You know, the food and grocery code we've worked through, you know, it's nice having Coles and Woolworths giving you a hard time every day about things you're trying to do, but that needed to be done so that the food producers had a fair opportunity to build and invest and had certainty and, and solid ground under their feet the unfair contract terms measures that we're putting in. So those take-it-or-leave-it contracts that get given to small business with ridiculous clauses in them that leave them completely exposed and really strengthen the position of the big business, the Harper Competition Review, the right to repair, so your average mechanic. I mean, that's that's activity. What else would you like to see happen? Well, we've got to keep pushing this on. Give me one. Okay, I'll give you one. I want to celebrate entrepreneurship like we celebrate our sporting heroes. That's what I want to see. Okay. So when I go to a deputy, well, we talked about ball, that last week, exactly. Yeah, and, and I feel really strongly about that. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we've got celebrities that are are, are good at being celebrities. Mm. Why don't we hold up on a pedestal these enterprising? Well, will men the and women? prime minister have a prime minister day? I mean, why? why yep. Well, we talked about this last week. Yep. Will the prime minister? Yep. Have a day 
once a year, whereas the Prime Ministerial Awards, of which you chair the committee that makes the decisions for small business owners, who's going to get the Prime, Minister's, Prime Ministerial Award for small business? Which is a great idea that I'm going to chase up. Because we've you got do an it? I Love Small Business Day. I've already managed to get that there, where we encourage the, the nation to stop and think about what an extraordinary contribution small business men and women <laughs> Man, create. absolutely. And, you know, and that's just because you ha- if you haven't been in it, if you haven't lived it, as some would say facetiously, live the dream of pillow talk of cash flow at night and all that sort of stuff. Sweat and bullets. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, and we need to stop and say to people, you know, bear a thought for this. I mean, it's also why, and it seems odd, people say, why are you partnering with American Express on Shop Small Day? Why? Because they're doing something that says to people, if you like that strip shopping centre and you like the variety and the responsiveness and the personal interaction, put some of your hard earns into it. Put some of your hard earns into it. So I'm trying to get the broader public to celebrate small business, but then the public as consumers to empower and support small business because what I learn in my business, doesn't matter if you've got the best retail capability, i.e. my wife or my masters and all the best business plan around, there's no substitute for customers. So you, you would, in no terms of celebrating small business owners and encouraging yep. more people to take and actually... And I think your idea is a good one. Would you do it? I'll will you, will it. you talk to the Prime Minister? I will. I mean, I, 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 you know, we'll happily be involved in it yeah, too. Well, you, might sort of to, you might have to MC it. Well, we'll run it. you're better looking than well, me, well, but that's but, pretty uh, uh, state in the obvious, well, really, isn't but, it? But so. <laughs> one thing about all, all this, Bruce, is Telstra does a great job mm. every year. And Telstra, I know, I, you've done the Small Business Awards mm. for Telstra. I've done them from the, I think, the year before you did. They have invested $21 million it's over brilliant. 21 years. and But they're the, they're, they're, that's private enterprise yep. or semi-private enterprise, yep. I guess, doing this for business owners. But we need more of it in this oh, country. We, and like in other countries around the world, like Singapore and places, they absolutely celebrate yep. small business yep. owners as being... Not just we just not just the newspapers picking it up and sort of talking about them being the uh, you know the 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 engine room of Australia. It's too easy to say that. We got to make them. They deserve knighthood, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and this is the thing: we need to do that as much as we can. And also, it's a cultural shift, though, Mark. I mean, this is about valuing and celebrating entrepreneurship. Yeah, correct. Now, now we're getting a little nanny nannyest in this country, a little risk averse. We talked about the big yep. banks before; they're not going to pick up a risk. So, but, but in other economies, there's a greater appetite for the enterprising ideas of an entrepreneur or a startup or someone with just a sparkle in their eye. There's a greater propensity to get behind that. In our economy, we, we tend to want to go with the sure things. You know, it's almost like going Well, we want to put day. the entrepreneurs down. Well, it's like they going to Randwick on race day and only picking the favourites all the time. I mean, you know, that's, that's fine. You get the, the sights and sounds Where does that come day, from? We're a working-class country. I, I mean, where, I mean where, is that, where does that come from? Like, well, uh, it's weird. I mean, we're doing some work through the Productivity Commission on how businesses start and how they're wound up because you, you, you've seen it. I've seen it. You get a business that gets a sniffle. In some cases, they go and harvest the organs rather than just, you know, deal with the hay fever and then let the business keep going and, and have everyone's interests and opportunity and the, the possibility for an ongoing business nurtured and supported and steered through. We don't have Chapter 11 like the US, but some of those attributes, you know, maybe that's part of it. Um, the idea that if you're a, a startup business and your first business doesn't succeed, in other countries, that's a learning experience that people value. Correct. In our country, you get marked down for well, that. Mate, you know, you, and these you, are the things that... You go bankrupt and they take your passport off you. Well... You're stuffed. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I just think we're too tough on people. That, that's my view. I mean, mm. I just think the system, the regulatory environment, is just too tough on somebody. We make it so tough on you that if you fail, the risk of failure is – the gravity of the risk of failure is so great that why should I take the risk? Yeah, yeah. So whereas in the US, in California, it's only an art form yeah, to, go, right. to, to, to go bad in business and start again because you – know, and, like, to be frank with you, like, how many people – one of my sons, he started a little business – um, you know, on the side, did it at night. It was never going to. It was never going to succeed. But what was successful is you learn about small business. Yeah, yeah. Only a, a couple of steps. But like if most people, if they never get the chance to learn that sort of stuff because they're too scared about the gravity and they think, well, I'll never be able to borrow money again. I'll never be able to be yeah. a director of a company, a small company. I'm going to lose my passport, or I could go bankrupt, or the lender is going to be all over me. Uh, well, see, part of the thing though, they though is it? That, that that you know, in in those small business advisory service programs that we offer, part of it is actually knowing the language of the financiers. You know, know your numbers, know what your funding options are, understand what they're looking for so that you can be a, a better, more informed customer. That's part of it. 
think about your talent as well. I mean, for family businesses, one of the toughest calls you've got to make is bringing someone from outside the family into your business because you know that's needed to grow the business. And even in succession planning, you know, the next generation, who are the next generation of entrepreneurs going to be? Well, we've got to nurture that. And that's why celebrating entrepreneurship and, and small businessmen and women is crucial so that a young person thinking about what to do with their life thinks about this as a pathway. I'll give you one figure. Swinburne Institute, uh, mm-hmm. Swinburne University in Melbourne, School of Entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. they study their undergraduate science, engineering and technology students before they started their degree. Three quarters, Mark, wanted to be entrepreneurs, build their own business, new product. They wanted to change the world. By the time they'd finished their course, that dropped to a third. What, what happened? Something happened to them while they were there. That sparkle in the eye and the fire in the belly. Maybe the idea of success was reshaped for them in the the mode of, say, uh, uh, nothing wrong with the CSIRO scientists. They do outstanding work and that pure science is valuable. But what about the science that's working alongside the industrialist to take an innovation or an insight and create economic opportunities out of it? Why is it that our research council grants weigh almost exclusively peer-reviewed papers and barely takes any notice of success in commercialising ideas? Why is it that our universities have all these different intellectual property agreements when in other countries they're all, that's the easy stuff and they can get them out there? Even in the budget, there was a change for our significant investor visa. You know, the one Mm -hmm. where if you bring 10 grand, you want to be part of our economy. You and I know what people have been doing. They've been buying property. We've said, no, you want to be a significant investor visa recipient in our economy, you've got to put half a million bucks into a venture capital fund to just try and create that pool of finance and opportunity. Yeah, and these are the things that we're trying to do to get that entrepreneurial ecosystem right so we get those settings right and hopefully change culture, attitude and more particularly opportunity into the future. Bruce... You know, a lot of people just see you as a Liberal Party minister and, as you said, that ministry's now been elevated into the Treasury and that's, like, that's uh, the big deal. Yeah, and in Cabinet too, which is a big statement it's about big, priorities big, too. It's very important. You've got a really mm. seriously important role, but actually counter-opposed to that, mm. you got brought up in a pretty sort of um, working, very working-class environment, yeah. similar to myself actually, but very, very working-class environment. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, look, I mean, we, my, my, uh, my dad was a builder, uh, up around Albury. I was born in Albury and uh, uh, they closed what was then known as a, as a migration transition centre at, at Barnawatha, if I remember correctly, and there was no work. So, you know, not only was he not building any houses, he wasn't repairing any either because the place had an enormous exodus of people. So he came back, well, he took us to Melbourne, a young family to Melbourne, and, and remade himself. Brothers and sisters? Yeah, got an older brother, Ross, yeah. He's a very gifted accountant but was financial controller for some, some big companies and travelled around the world doing that. But that idea of Dad remaking himself was quite an inspiration. You know, he went back to school. He left school at, at 14 to became a builder. How old were you when you oh, went back from Oh, I was about Aubrey. five, four right. or five, and, and I I saw this and, you know, the big commutes. And remember those times if you were a young family and you want to borrow money from the bank, you could only borrow it at a certain LVR, loan to valuation ratio, and it had to be a new house. So we had to live, you know, out in the suburbs because you, you wouldn't get finance anywhere Which else. suburb did you go to? Was it, we, we were around a place called Seaford, which was part of the Greater Frankston area, and that was a first home buyer sort of destination. It was near the beach, and my folks thought, you know, could either live out, out east some distance from the water or live near the beach. It was interesting watching Dad remaking himself and Mum, what, a, what an, an entrepreneur in her own right. You know, we couldn't afford bikes. So Mum went out and flogged Avon. She was an Avon lady. Uh, and just to generate enough money so that we could have bikes as kids. And, and even that direct selling and that story of a, a, a woman looking to do the best by herself and her family to go and have a go in that line of work. I'm going to ask you, this is an important point. For me, it is always important. Mm. But how influential was your mum? Huge. On you. You know, she, she taught me a couple of things. You're not a passenger in this life. Get amongst it. She was always involved with the school fates. She was the footy, uh, footy team manager. She, wow. she just kept giving, you know, and, and she's a beautiful woman and, and always kept giving. Still alive? Yeah, yeah, Great. still alive and on, and on fire. Probably, probably um, her dad was a school principal and, and she wasn't uh, the 
greatest academic student you've ever seen. So I think that was a, a bit of a challenge. But she had so many other great qualities. And you see this. A real I mean, strong woman in your life. Well, well, strong in a sense of clarity of purpose. I mean, she wasn't strong in an overt sense. She was a very gentle woman. Um, but you knew when you'd upset her too. So, um, But what a story. And, and I see this today. I do an awful lot of work with women entrepreneurs. Do you know the chicks? More chicks are starting businesses than blokes at the moment. Business chicks, uh, one of you the know, great, one of the great yeah, inventions. And, and business even chicks, great group. Of, and so you're seeing women saying, you know, I'm going to create my own business to to meet my own ambitions and to better support my family. And that was, you know, that was the story of Mum in the direct selling field. You know, getting amongst it in her neighbourhood and in her community. And I suppose, you know, where I went to school, most people didn't finish year twelve, and. You know, I was impatient to get on with my life. So, you know, I was working at Macca's, studying, trying to be a decent tennis player. You know, I love my sport and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and so I went and worked, you know, days after my last year 12 exam, uh, emptying parking meters in Frankston. Now, well, you didn't, weren't nicking the money, were you? No, no. Well, see, the thing was we were, the, Bruce, the other Bruce, was two Bruce's, we were the ugliest meter maids you've ever seen. But even that we turned into fun. We were emptying parking meters and people would ask us, where do I get my shoes fixed? Oh, well, there's Joe around the corner. You know, we made, we made the best of the circumstance we had. Why? Because I thought I wanted to be and liked the idea of being a part of the community and working for the community I, I, was, I was involved with. And that was an early learning for me. So I studied at night and, and did my degree, my grad diploma, my master's all externally or, or part Is that when you decided to become a politician? No, it was funny. I, I ended up being a city manager actually at Which a very is, young age. A CEO of a council. A council, yep. yeah. And, and, Frankston? And I, no, it was down Westernport where there's a, a refineries and all sorts of stuff. And we were really working to re-image the community down there. And I loved it. You got out of bed every day feeling like you're doing something worthwhile for the air you suck in. Mm. And through that, I got embraced and, and encouraged to get more involved politically. And, and now, you know... Why aren't you in the Labor Party? Oh, I mean, it sounds well, like a Labor Party credentials to me. Look, I, I, I get a bit tired of Labor always focusing on the downside and, 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 and why people aren't as fortunate as someone else. I'd rather be on the team that are actually trying to do something about it. And, and my goal is to make sure everyone can be their best selves, that their postcode doesn't determine their potential. Everyone can learn as well as the next person. But you need the environment to nurture ambition, to encourage people to extend themselves. Or as I say, the world's run by people who turn up, Mark. Mm. You've got to turn up. You've got to get involved. You, you know, if there's an issue or an opportunity, say, yeah, pick me, I'll, I'll have a go at it. You know, and, and the, getting that inculcated, particularly into our young people who, who might not be surrounded by success. How do we get them to put their hand up there? Well, you show them role models. You give them case studies. You, you, you present to them pathfinders who can help them step through what is a world of delicious possibilities. I so wish I was 20 again. What happens if someone's not as enthusiastic and as positive as you? How do we get those well, people well, you, to do you, stuff? You, I mean, you're you, an unbelievably enthusiastic, positive bloke. You know, like you've dragged yourself up by your bootstraps from, you know, Frankston or wherever, that a whole area. I mean, you've seen your mum. You know, you've had a lot of good role models. Your yeah. grandma. So do you think that's the answer? Is it role models? Yeah. I do. Because not every family has a mum like know, your mum. Do you know, the research actually tells you most young people, all they need is one person in their life that gives a I shit. I agree with that, yeah. One person. One person gives a and, shit. And, and I like that. And that's a good saying. One person gives a shit. That's very, very important. Yeah. I mean, by the way, you and I, we can talk like that because yeah. that's where we come from. And yeah. people understand us because that's who's listening to us today. One person. So if you don't, if if someone listening is was not in that lucky environment like we were, we're yeah. both blessed. Yeah. How, what do we as a gut, what do you as a government and say someone like me, what, how do we support them? Well, we, we, we make sure that there's somebody who can offer positive insight, encouragement, and, and some wisdom to people. That's what, you know, it might be an uncle, it might be someone that you, I mean, one of my great inspirations was actually a school teacher. Who, who's as bolshy to the back teeth. In fact, he can't believe I've ended up being a cabinet minister for the coalition. But, but his ambition was to make sure I knew that ambition mattered. And, and if I got through my work in, in economics further, that he kept stretching me, stretching me, stretching me, saying that's what life's about. It's constant stretches. You need to keep challenging yourself and stepping up and, and trying to be your best self and better that every day. And, and that was a great influence as well. And what we're finding, I mean, even in this budget, you know that, that work for the doll program, mm-hmm. basically that's a great measure. It gets people into the workplace, but it's only public sector workplaces. You know, I, I don't think we need to create another generation of public servants. We, we've got plenty of brilliant public servants now. That's why we're placing them in small businesses so that a, a young person who's not sure what to do with their life will get to live and love 
the small business environment and they see that as a career opportunity, not only for an employment prospect, but maybe their own business down the track. And these are some of the changes. You talked about women in business earlier yep. and your mum was a good example of yep. that and I guess that's inspirational to you. But let's just look at for one second. What about kids in business? Yeah, you yeah. just talked about because the kids are going to become the adults, whether they're male yep. or female in business in the future. How do we get um, – we talk about celebrating entrepreneurs and yep. small businesses. How do we get kids in business to – kids to understand as good – to have that ambition to be an entrepreneur and be in business for yourself in the future, whether you come from Frankston yep. or you come from Bellevue Hill in Sydney. Yep. Well, I'm I'm stalking Christopher Pine about making sure entrepreneurship's part of the curriculum. I 100. You know, and and getting people even even at an early stage things like financial literacy. I mean, I, I with ASIC interestingly and and uh, Kangan Institute of TAFE in in Victoria, we recently launched a, a bit of a kit on 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 the, the, a financial toolkit and. What it was was for a, a qualifying tradesperson advice on how you take that technical capability and turn it into your own business. Things you need to know, the preparations you need to take, considerations about business acumen. Well, during their apprenticeship. Up, yeah, and that, and, and that was great, but that's probably at the later end. I'd yeah, rather yeah. start that a bit earlier. And I, I know my son's own school. I mean, he came home one day and said, oh, Dad, I've got to create a business for the fate. And, and he was flogging uh, pet rocks and, and put little faces and all that on. He says, it's great, and there's no pooper scoop being required. Did you ever do that at school? I can't remember, to be honest with you. I, know, I remember talking with mum about how we'd make the fate work well for the uh, parents and teachers. Did you ever, what was your first first um, exposure, apart from your mum, yep. at a personal of your level, first exposure during your youngest years that you can remember of thinking about a business idea? Paper round. Being the paper boy? We like yeah. the paper boy? Yeah, with the, the, trolley, the yellow trolley No, I had a whistle. bike, and I had to find a way... See, going back to the story with mum, my folks said, uh, and mum said, look, I've worked hard for a year to buy you a bike. That's the only bike I'm ever going to buy you because, you know, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. You want a different bike, well, you go and earn the money. You work out what it is to sell the bike you've got, earn some extra money and step up. And part of that was the paper round. So you had to remember those old big, um, uh, on the forks on the front of your dragster, the, the big square metal thing where you chucked all the papers in and, you know, you weren't quite sure whether you were going to go A over T as you as you're right. That was, that was the next investment. A over investment. T means ass over tit. Thank you very much. You can say that. I thought I'll go with the, uh, it's government speak, an acronym, yeah. isn't it? Um, and, and so that was it. So, you know, and then we start flogging uh, newspapers, delivering those, and then thinking, well, maybe I could do pamphlets as well and, and fold that in together. And So you did a letterbo- letterbox yeah. drops? Yeah, it was good. And, and I loved it. And that generates the money. I could then get a different bike that had greater capability for lugging around more stuff. And, you know, and that was so all. So, I mean, why does someone like you at that age, how old were you then? 15, oh, 14? No, it would have been 12. 12. Yeah. I mean, why do you think someone thinks that as opposed to somebody else who never thinks that at 12? Yeah, and what is it? Well, you know, I, I think a bit of challenge brings out your character. Is it, comp- is it your competitive nature? I think it is a little bit that. I mean, I, I, I know I'm not going to win every day. And I know even in the budget discussion we had earlier, I knew I wasn't going to win every day. Yeah. But I'm not going to go down not, not knowing. But you're not going to give not up. trying. No way. And if, if I can't convince my colleagues and the Prime Minister of the quality of my idea, I'll, I'll look at me and think maybe my argument needs to be worked hard. Because you think at the end of the day it's valuable. Absolutely. So and if you, I believe, I've just got to make sure I can get that. Because you see the value at the end of the, at the, end, at the, end of the road, yeah, which going. means you won't give up. Go again. So what we've got to get into kids' heads and anyone else who wants to start with the business, particularly women who, who actually run into brick walls left, right and centre, is that the, the value proposition of what they're trying to achieve is worth it. Absolutely. Therefore, it's worth not giving up. And also that you're not in this, you know, life is a team sport. You're not in this on your own. Uh, around you everywhere is wisdom. There's yeah. wisdom everywhere. I mean, I talk to my, you know, I get dragged out to talk to year eights and nines when they're, you know, too cool for school and, and not sure what they do with their life. And I describe to them V-toggle. That's, you know, toggle being a mm-hmm. computer switch. V meaning value yourself and others. You can learn as well as anybody else, but so can the person beside you. T, take your place, turn up. O, be open and curious. There's a world of learnings and wisdom out there. You've got to be prepared to take that in and suck it up. You know, gee, have a game plan. Think about what it is you want to do with your life or even know what it is you don't want to do and steer away from that. The next G is is gather the tools. Each day is a chance to build on what you know and your knowledge and put more capability in your kit bag. L is learn for life. The game's never over. You've got to keep trying to develop your mind. And E, emotional resilience. You know why? Some days are crap. But make it just one day. Turn up the next mm. day. That delicious world of possibilities is still out there. 
and you've got to turn up and don't let a setback ruin your mojo. Step up and have another go. That's the message I put out there and I, I try and live by that as well. Bruce, you and I have had a great chat today. I mean, I, to be frank with you, um, I'm not surprised with what, you tell, what I'm hearing from you and what you're telling me. Um, but I'm equally surprised at your openness and your, your willingness to actually to dig a bit deeper and tell us a little bit about yourself. Most of us see prime, uh, uh, um, ministers, um, cabinet ministers, the prime minister, the treasurer, we don't see them as human beings. We see them as some sort of uh, uh, automatum and yeah. we, don't, we don't really get a chance to have a look at them. And you've actually done a great job today in allowing us to do that, particularly as a minister of small business. It's been fascinating. What one message... I know it's difficult to reduce all this one message, but one, one thing you would like our listeners to take away from today. Well, I, I hope the one thing is for the entrepreneurs and small business people that are listening, we need more of you. And the best way to nurture that is, is share your story, share your wisdom, be prepared to put a little bit of time into a young person wanting to start a business. Uh, open up your shop, let people say, well, come and have a work placement with me. Share some of that wisdom and we will generate the next generation of entrepreneurs, and you know what that'll do? That'll create the wealth and the opportunity to keep the great promise of our country alive, and that is that the next generation will have it better than we've had it. That's going to happen. We're going to need these innovators, these disruptors, these entrepreneurs, these people creating new wealth, new ways to delight customers. Those people that are currently successful, they can help fertilise that, and that's what I'm hoping some of your listeners might be prepared to, to step up and do. Well, and what we should do is we should try and monitor that, and I think we should reward people. We did talk about, you know, you talking to the Prime Minister about having a Prime Ministerial Award, and we're not yeah. asking the Queen to give it or the Governor-General. We would like the Prime Minister to give it, and obviously it should be the selection committee should be chaired by you as the Minister for Small Business, Let's call it for the Minister for Business. I don't think small business are very good. Well, you should be the Minister for Business. Well, I treat my job as the Minister for Enterprise. That's what I... Well, should, <laughs> That's should, a, I think it should be renamed. Yeah, Minister well, for Enterprise. It's, it's funny. We were talking before about language and how that can, you know, kind of be... Because small sounds terrible. Well, it, it, it may, but but people get that. Enterprise, some people think it's, you know, white sand shoes on the Gold Risky. Coast. Yeah, and, and so trying to find language that connects with people. That, that's why I use small business and family enterprise. It captures what... Okay, family enterprise is good. Well, I've never heard family enterprise before. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. So what about if you could perhaps, you know, we might have another session in due course where you talk to the Prime Minister and say, let's have a day where we celebrate Australians in small business and family enterprise in the future. Like it would be great if it was done in the next 12 months where, yeah. you know, like I got a, I, I got the, um, I'm a member of the Order of Australia and I got that medal. I'm very proud to be given that medal, but I would gladly give it up if the Prime Minister and you decided to run something for small businesses because it's, that was very important to me and my family. But I think honouring small business owners and entrepreneurs in this country is a far greater thing to achieve. And I tell you what, you hang on to your Order of Australia and let's work to see if we can get another uh, um, attestation to it, which is Mark Boris helped to celebrate, highlight, elevate the nation's appreciation of these enterprising men and women in small business and family enterprise. I'll accept that if Bruce Wilson does alongside me. Yeah, well, well, we might look like twins, mate, separated at birth, but I'm prepared to take that risk. Um, you're obviously Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. No, that's, that's great. That's great. I mean, I, I really think that's, that would be a great outcome from today. And if you don't mind, I would like to um, um, offer, put on the table for everybody who's listening, go to at Mark Boris and you come and you tell me what it is you would like us to put to the minister. We're going to continually feed him with the stuff that people yeah. out there, the small business owners, the family enterprise the owners, evidence. Evidence. what's going the on out there? What do you want? Yeah, yeah. What's not working? What is working? What would you like the minister to push for you in the next budget or push for you in the before the next budget? What is it you want to see? And we'll keep feeding that to you. Minister, thanks very much. It was awesome. Great to be with you. Wow. So we listened to a, as I said earlier, very, very polished minister. He knows his shit. He's very good at what he's talking about and he's very convincing the way he puts it. I have to say, look, I watch Blake's body language. He's super confident and I actually think he's the real deal. I think, I believe him. I believe him. Um, you know, we've got to cast away all that other stuff about, you know, he's, he's a bit, you know, is he glib or, but, you know, he got into some personal stuff and uh, I think it was pretty cool. What is great, which is 
unbelievable that he would actually take this on. And it's fantastic that he's done this, is that he is going to speak to the Prime Minister. He's agreed that we need to have a celebrated day for entrepreneurs and small businesses in this country and that we will have a Prime Minister's Award for entrepreneurs and small business owners in this country. Now, we've got to work out the structure and how it all works, but that's like a big deal. I think, I don't know, but I, we'll do a bit of research on this, Jess, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we would be the only country in the world, certainly of the OECD nations and all the G20, who actually will hold a day when the, the top dog, the leader of the country, steps aside and puts awards out for people who run small businesses and are entrepreneurs in that country's economy. That is cool. Mike, you said, let's be the model. Let's not just be known for... Foster's sporting achievements, let's be known as the business model across the world. And it's a great opportunity because Australia's fabric, Jess, is about small business owners. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Everyone keeps talking about the engine room of the country. Okay, well, now what's going to happen is the Prime Minister is going to recognise formally the engine room of the country. That is very, very cool. Can you imagine somebody who runs a small business in Frankston, in the community, in a strip of shops, who's been there for 40 years and has struggled, 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 but still hanging in there, still employing people, still buying stuff from suppliers, still using contractors and still looking after the community, gets an award, a lifetime award from the Prime Minister on a special day, gets a pin and which recognises their achievement for our economic community. That is very, very cool. Looking forward... This is the week ahead. Okay, guys. Uh, look, uh, Jakey, what's going on with uh, all the YouTube videos, etc.? All these people putting, sending in their pictures. Where are we at? Huge response. Next week, it'd be great if we could go through those videos uh, and showcase the best of what's come in so far. And for anyone who hasn't had a chance to upload the video, do it this week because we're possibly going to put you on the show next week. So you, so you and Jess working on this? Like, I mean, we, we can't, I don't yeah. want another week to go past where we're not ready to do this. We're going to do this next week. Yeah. Yep. You sure. Yes. We are, we are on it. We've already got some great ones. We've got a guy who's come up with packaging solutions. He needs startup cash and he needs to test the market. That's what he, where he wants your help. We've got uh, a guy who uh, had an unsuccessful startup campaign in an adult puzzle that he's designed. So he's failed and he's come back for more. That's so he right. wants your insight. Uh, we've got, we've got a um, directory of uh, adult entertainment uh, in the evenings. Uh, this guy wants some mentorship as well. Sounds kind of interesting. We might have to do this at two in the morning. <laughs> we <laughs> well, we're in the right spot in the cross for it. Uh, and uh, and uh, another guy who is um, got this great business about upskilling teachers. So there are a few of the people. They've put a video together. They've sent it through to us. Everyone else out there, get your video going. And by the way, if you can't put it on YouTube, then don't bother. So, I mean, Jake, how easy is it to load this up on YouTube and give us the address? Super easy. You can upload a YouTube video straight from the front page of YouTube. Just follow the steps. Or you can just Google how to upload a YouTube video. Simple as that. And where do they send it, Jess? Uh, they send it to at Mark Boris. So you can do it via Twitter or you can do mb at markboris.com.au. Now, I've tested this. It is very, very simple to take a video on your smartphone and upload it to YouTube. If I can do it, I've, I, I Googled it. I said, how do I upload... To YouTube, yep. And if I can do it, you can do it. Well, that's sort of the initiative we're looking for anyway. I mean, like, if you haven't got that sort of level of initiative, what's the point of pitching to me in the first place? Um, don't send me a pitch paper. I'm not interested in reading a, uh, a PowerPoint presentation. Get it on YouTube. I want light, colour and movement. Thanks very much. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Boris. And find out more at markboris.com.au. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.